0: Like to follow have got What we've seen in Colossians so far is that Paul is writing to ensure that people kind of say no God in all his glory, in all his fullness, the supremacy of Jesus, freedom in him, and living for Christ. And then we come to chapter four, which is slightly different. So most of this chapter is name dropping. Isn't it if you're on as high as you can But the first six verses, uh, however short they may be, actually contain some fundamental teaching for the life of a Christian today. And what is that Christian life all about? Well, Christianity is about evangelism, really, isn't it? It's about spreading the good news of God Father, spreading it far and wide. It's about telling people about Jesus and bringing them to you here. It's allowing them to come to know you. One commentator wrote that Christianity is a soul winning, outreaching, mind persuading, heart entreating, rescuing missionary faith. Or it is not true Christianity. But it's not with coercion. So in John 18 Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world if it were my servant's fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. Sharing the gospel isn't through force, and we'll come on to some of the tips that Paul gives us in this passage today. But it is a way of life. Jesus commands us to an evangelistic life. He said, go and make disciples. And in Acts 1, he says, you shall be my witness. John he says, as the Father sent me, I also send you. And what we read in Acts, they were we made disciples. That's exactly what they did. It says there were added that day about three thousand souls. The number of men came to be about five thousand. All the more believers in the Lord, of multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. At this time, the disciples were increasing in number. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly. The church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace and continued to increase. The word of the Lord continued to grow and to be multiplied, so the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. In Matthew, it says, Follow me, and I will make you fish of men. Now the reason I'm this is because today's reading is all about evangelism, and I think it's important to remember what that can look like. It can be this amazing, soul-winning faith of thousands of people coming to Christ. But also, we've been looking at the um, parables downstairs. Think of the parables that so we have the of hundred or sixty or thirty times. Evangelistic targets are not universal. They're the in these abilities and opportunities, they vary significantly. What is important is faith. We put God to support us in our own individual capacity to share the good news of Jesus. Now, in the meeting today, it brings us to a core truth that we, both, that we have both a role to play in an outward facing capacity. As well as a role in supporting our church leaders and, as us call them, our frontline activists in their own efforts. And we're going to look at both of those two roles this morning how we're facing capacity, as well as how we support our church leaders in theirs. But before we do, a question Why do we pray? What, what are the reasons you pray? At lunch, in the evening, in a traffic jam? The different What is prayer actually for? Who do you pray for? Who do you, how do you pray? Who do you pray? For? Just have a think. We know that prayer is a foundation of the Christian faith. It's a pretty big deal. Jesus encourages us to pray, and it we me to pray together. In Acts, we read verses such as, "They gather frequently to pray as a group, together with the women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus." With his brothers. So the early church dedicated time to pray together. They gathered together frequently to pray as a group and one. And they spent their time learning from the apostles, taking part in the fellowship and sharing in fellowship meals and the prayers, says the Acts. So not just prayer together, but four essential activities within the early church all done together a Community and prayer is on par with preaching, is on par with teaching. So the first role that we're looking at this morning is how can we support our church leaders in their evangelism? And the simple answer for Paul is in prayer. Now, thankfully, Paul gives us a few pointers this morning on perhaps what our prayer life should be like. Uh, what we're doing is praying for parking spaces once in a while with a house. I suggest our prayer line isn't quite living up to the potential for a clear challenge to God. Can heal? even with the digital spaces once in a while. Paul gives us some side posts this morning on what a good prayer line looks like. He tells us how to pray, and he also tells us what to pray for. Free. So, let's start with the how to pray. How to pray is cut off in verse 2. It's really about how it says, devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful and thankful. There you have it. Devote yourselves to prayer, be watchful and thankful. So let's update that. Devote yourselves or persist in prayer. There are, uh, there are a number of fantastic examples in the New Testament in, in which we see all well, this persistence in prayer absolutely says, these all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. After Pentecost, we read of the early church, they were continually devoting themselves to the Apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Later, rather than getting distracted by waiting on tables, the Apostles declared in Acts, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And in Romans, says that we should be rejoicing hope, persevering in tribulation, and devoted to prayer. Again, Ephesians Paul uses the, use the noun, and he says, we with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. It's important to remember that praying persistently is not about praying every second of the day. Good luck. With that. The occasional hour prayer is great. But um we need to live our lives also, which is something that we'll come on to a bit later. So I don't know, like, but for me this idea of persistent prayer does raise a far deeper question about our relationship with God. If God knows everything, if he wants to give us good things, if he hears us when we pray, then why are we asked to persist in prayer? In Luke there's a story of a widow he brings her case for judge. Now the judge rejects the widow, but she keeps asking him to consider her case again and again until he gives up. And he says, yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. The point of this story is not that God is the judge and eventually he will came in. The key point is how much more. Will God, our good judge, bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night, it says. that's what Luke thought was parable meant as well. Before he said, and Jesus told him a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not His heart. Have we always got what we asked for? I don't know about you, but I would struggle to not use God as a genie, but basically generating, granting my every wish the point is that persistence in prayer is not for God's sake, but for ours. It's one wise way. God uses persistence in prayer to purge our desires. God also uses persistence in prayer to mould, to even transform our desires, to change how we pray, and even what we are praying for, so that we gradually come to pray closer to the heart of God's will. This is what Paul is writing about. In order to support our leaders in their evangelism and first role, we need to know how to pray. And the first aspect of prayer is actually doing it often. And doing it often aligns our hearts and minds with God. Your will be done, we say. So that's the first aspect of prayer. The second, the second aspect of how to pray is to pray watchfully. Keep the The passage that comes to mind is Matthew twenty-six. It says, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Being watchful is often linked to the devil, even the said to surround us. And prayer is our lifeline to God. Ephesians it says, Finally be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So what does it mean in practice? I think it means we need to take hold of every opportunity for prayer. But be strategic also choose the times and the places when we're least likely to be disturbed or least likely to be distracted. When our minds are least likely to wander. But sometimes the first thing in the morning before the day takes hold, for others it's in the middle of the night. What it be you? I have to be out of suffering so this project to consistently work out for God's help. So praying often and consistently, but also praying watchfully. And the third aspect of how to pray is to pray with Thanksgiving, to pray thankfully. Praying with Thanksgiving means at all I don't know about you, guys, but I find my prayers I robotically thank God for many things for health and for friends and sunny days. But at other times, in other circumstances, so I may mean feel especially thankful. So a job interview perhaps not like going the way we or a diagnosis, or jobs at school or at work at home. It is more challenging to thank God in those occasions. What I come to realise is I'm not thanking God for how I'm feeling. Thank you God for I feel so pants right now. Thank you, God, the work is too challenging right now. Pray thankfully with thanksgiving. about showing up thanks to God, focusing on His character and His devotion and His control. Thank you, Lord, that even though I didn't get that rebound, you are in control. And I trust in you. That this is all part of your glorious plan, Lord, and each day and each moment brings me closer to you. So when we're think about who he is in the present and express that in thankfulness. Our prayers are gentler and more trusting in him. So now we know how to pray, persistently, watchfully with thanksgiving, or devotedly, or dynamically, or delightedly, to support our frontline vouchers what do we need to pray. This is in verse 3. It says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I need change. So, what to pray? Opening the door for our message. First off, prayer is for opportunity. All right. The hole I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Paul recognizes there is a difference between regular discussions about Jesus with those he travels with and current followers and respecting their faith, and wide reaching potential transformative discussions that you have they with other people. Now, whilst Paul was an elegant, educated speaker, he relied on God. God opens the door, we must also walk through it. And that takes not only ability, but it also takes courage. So he again says in Ephesians, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul was imprisoned by writing this letter, chained up. He couldn't go anywhere. But he saw the chains as an match for God. He still prayed open doors and from his position, Christians started to make the programs to see and listen to him. People in the palace of Caesar accepted for Christ. And the biggest open door. Paul's very letters that he wrote, then they're still being used for Sunday morning sermons and preaching all over the world. The other thing that Paul asks us to pray for is for plain speaking, direct speaking. So in verse 4, it says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And as I said, Paul was an elaborate guy who knew how to speak, knew how to reach people. He also knew that his effectiveness in reaching others was dependent on God. Let's put it this way. This is like, this is like a title Woods coming to a relatively average talk saying, Hey man." I'm not telling it car, whatever. Hey man, can you give me a read on this car? Oh, the greatest golfer, my opinion, asking me for my help. Paul, the greatest preacher, I thought that Jesus, <laughs> the greatest missionary, the greatest church builder there has ever been, is saying, I need your help, I need your prayers to help me to be effective in my mission pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. If it was true for Paul then, just think how much more true it is for me, for you, for our church leaders today, I'm sure Tim will appreciate our prayers every week. So, in spreading the gospel, we have two goals to prayer. Okay, the first is in supporting our leaders in prayer. Paul has shown us this morning how we should pray, and what specifically we should pray for. Now, as a reminder, I have the slide. As a reminder, think of these guys. They're always going up to anything they are. Mm, Take a direct speaking. Okay, five D's. We don't now. Uh, this one doesn't keep it more direct. <laughs> um, the second of we play is one of active evaluation. <laughs> our <laughs> own hand. <laughs> <animal laughs> <family. laughs> That's what we're going to look at now. Paul <laughs> <laughs> gives us some great tips on how we can best relate to unbelievers in our lives today. And then go in verse 5 and 6. So in verse 5, verse 5 and 6, we read, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity Let your conversation be always of race, season with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So what does being wise mean? Walking in wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom. Is quoted by, again, more contagious, the skill to build a godly life. there taking some verses, again. in Proverbs. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In Colossians 2, it says that Paul says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And in Colossians 3, it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another the psalms of with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Wisdom comes from fearing the Lord, from knowing Christ, and letting his word richly dwell within us. It is going what to do for God's glory. It's holding on to holiness when we're in uncertain situations. It's recognizing the situation, adapting our approach to others so that we can introduce them to God. So be wise in the way that we act towards outsiders. The second point how best we can relate to non-Christians is being salty. And we recently had um, an epiphany in our household. Um, I don't know if many of you have had the same thing. We, we had an epiphany that we were eating the same meals, pretty regularly. I don't know how to everyone, so but literally, week in, week out. Meals were not getting a great picture, but meals were dark. They were quite quick, they were easy, they were planned. And this is not just a case of to and but I'm sure I'm not the only one who sits into a routine when it comes to meals each week. I was working here at home. A couple of weeks ago, there was a knock on the door. I answered the door, and literally the day after Curtis and I had this conversation, there were two blokes stood in front of me wearing a aprons. I thought, well that's a good pretty awesome, I <laughs> um, I don't know if you know any of these services, but the, there are a few out there. These two blokes were from a company called Gusto. Does anyone know Gusto? Uh, the company has an app. I'll show you, but yeah, it's okay. Um, and it allows chefs' dining to select a number of meals each week from a menu. And then on Monday, a big box arrives. It's got nice stuff. It's got all the ingredients that I need to cook, all measured out. All yeah. right, great. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is my way of cooking. Is having a, a label out I don't have to think about haven't bought X, Y, or Z, and things like that. Um, They're all measured, and there's an easy to follow step by step recipe. Oh, amazing. So, unlike a takeaway, you're actually cooking yourself. If you enjoy cooking, it's not too bad. Um, complex bit, you're <coughs> down spices, and you go to supermarkets and leftovers as well, take down the equation. Um, what I come to realise is that when it comes to cooking, little ingredients make a big difference. Ginger, garlic, salt, pepper. Seems to make a massive difference to most things. And then those people came non heads, you go. Obviously. (laughs) 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 You're a sort of doll here (laughs) with (laughs) this. Anyway. They make things just taste better. They are more appetizing. They're easier to digest. Bring it back to Well, passage. Mark's uh, this is what Paul is talking about. Let your conversation be seasoned with salt. Let your conversation be appetizing. Let our conversation about Christ Jesus with other people be as appealing and appetising and mouth-watering and plate-strippingly good as possible. So how do we do that? Well, an honest question. Do you delight in Jesus are the truths contained in our Bibles? Are they appetising should enjoy Christ. We need to spend every day reminding ourselves of scripture actually why the gospels taste so good. So be wise in our speech and be salty. And the last point is verse 6. So that you may know how to answer everyone. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Let's play. Let's play a game. It's not really a game. Anyway. Let's do something. Food raises still. I had to buy this specifically because it came in my box. This is a potato. What would you do with this for lunch? Shame. Shout out, what would you do with the potato for lunch? Bake it. Oh, yeah. Bake, mash. Soup. Mmm. Mash. Roast. think what? Mm. <laughs> What's that? What when you grate it? Is it grate it down in there? And then you can Chips, breadcrumbs, whatever spices got and all those things. Um, the ingredients are the same, we're all using a potato, army But how that potato is served differs from person to person. When we read the Bible, when we meditate on these words, when we pray to God, He is unchanging like a potato. Words are for all time an unchanging God. The God that we worship is all the same to us. Yes, it's important. We are not, our situations are different also evangelize effectively. Paul said we need to be able to answer everyone. We need to be wise to our differences and wise to the doors that God opens for us. So the third way of how to relate to non-Christians to evangelize effectively is to individualize our approach to serve up the delicious and unchanging truths contained in our Bibles in a variety of ways. So how do we remember that? We have one direction. How do we remember that? Yeah, <laughs> he is a wise and he is a salty individual. I <laughs> struggle to think of that one. I like, we should, we should capitalize like Christian captains. If it says in verse five, we should make the most of every opportunity. So let's pray. <laughs> Dear Lord God, thank you for your amazing power and work in our lives. Thank you for your goodness and for your blessings over us. Thank you for your great love and care. Thank you for your sacrifice so that we might have freedom and life, Lord. Forgive us all every day. do thank you enough for who you are for all that we do. For all that you do for us, Lord, well, for all that you've given. Help us to set our lives, our hearts, on you, refresh, Lord, our spirits for us with your peace. I am Joy. In Jesus' name, it's Amen.